Chapter One, Part Two of Stolen Souls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stolen Souls by William Lecky. Chapter One, Part Two. The Soul of Princess Tchikatsov. Two years had gone by. I was back again in England, writing descriptions of events at home, and holding myself in readiness to journey to any quarter of the globe should occasion arise. Frequently in my daydreams, the countenance of the Princess Agafia Ivanovna passed before me, always serious, always haggard, always intense. When, after my journey through Volubda, I returned to the capital. The Tchikatsov palace was closed, and the only information the burly Dvornik would vouchsafe was that the princess had gone abroad. I longed to penetrate the mystery surrounding her, and obtain some explanation of the extraordinary coincidence of the marks upon her wrist and mine. I had never been entire myself since first seeing her. Some strange, occult spell seemed to enthrall me for the phenomena i had experienced were remarkable while the varied mental sensations were utterly mystifying horribly morbid thoughts constantly oppressed me sometimes they were of murder which i felt impelled to commit even though the very suggestion was repugnant at others in moments of blank despair i contemplated the easiest modes of suicide while through all I cherished a deadly hatred towards some person of whose identity I had not the remotest notion. In the months that elapsed after returning to England, I had gradually grown callous to mental anguish. Yet the bodily pain I frequently experienced in the wrists and across the forehead was remarkably strange. Inasmuch as livid marks would sometime appear on my arms, without any apparent cause, and disappear as suddenly as they came. Through the hot August days, I was idling in that part of Norfolk that is justly termed Poppyland, making my headquarters at a farmhouse near Cromer. I had been unusually perturbed regarding Agafia Ivanovna, and such an intense longing to see her had seized me that I even contemplated returning to Petersburg. One very hot afternoon, while sitting on the bench outside the house, calmly smoking, some unknown force prompted me to rise and set out for a long walk along the cliffs. I had no motive for doing this. Yet a lichen-covered stile, nearly five miles in the direction of Yarmouth, was fixed in my mind as my destination, and I felt myself compelled to reach it. The sun blazed on mercilessly, notwithstanding the cool breeze that had sprung up and sparkling waves were breaking with sad music on the shingly beach engrossed in my own thoughts i had sped on and was just approaching the stile when the rustle of a woman's dress startled me and i saw a graceful form clad in cream-coloured serge with a bright ribbon at the waist standing before me i recognised her features it was agafia you princess i cried in astonishment grasping her hand but she muttered a low scream 
and twisting her fingers from mine dashed swiftly away i was unable to overtake her for taking a desperate leap she alighted on a projecting rock and scrambling down among the bushes descended the precipitous face of the cliff and disappeared not daring to follow i remained breathless and bewildered for about half an hour and at length turned my heavy steps again toward scromer while walking in london's alfresco pleasure exchange the row one bright spring afternoon exchanging salutes with those i knew a brilliantly varnished carriage drawn by a magnificent pair of bays suddenly passed me notwithstanding the rapid pace at which it was driven i caught a glimpse of the tip of a tiny bronze shoe stretched against the cushion of the front seat the fold of a light fawn dress and under a face fringed sunshade a fair face the face of agafia ivanovna princess chichikatsov until the equipage turned out of the park i kept it in sight then i jumped into a hansom and followed until i watched her alight and enter one of the largest houses in queensgate on inquiry i ascertained that the house had been taken furnished for the season by a young foreign lady whose name nobody seemed to know that evening after dining at the club i sat in the smoking-room shrinking with horror from some terrible deed that i seemed to force to commit then gradually there crept over me that strange attraction that drew me irresistibly towards her until at last unable to remain i put on my hat and drove to the house i wish to see the princess i said giving my card to the grave elderly man-servant who opened the door bowing he ushered me into a small well-furnished room and disappeared the moment he had gone i heard voices speaking rapidly in russian in the next apartment agafia was addressing some man and i thought i heard her utter my name and refused to see me the rooms communicated by means of folding doors and determined to speak with her i turned the handle and entered the scene that met my gaze was only momentary but it was one of tragedy in a low lawn chair a young man was sitting calmly smoking a cigarette he had blonde hair but his face was turned from me stealthily agafia crept up behind him her face distorted by the same terrible look of vengeance that i had sometimes seen in my weird daydreams in her uplifted hand something gleamed in a lace-shaped lamplight it was the knife upon which she had taken the icon oath in petersburg princess at last i cried rushing forward in the endeavour to prevent her from striking the deadly blow at her unsuspecting visitor at that moment however i felt my hands gripped tightly and a man flung himself before me with an imprecation i tried to push him aside for i had instantly recognised him as the man who had dined with the princess at the dominic my senses seemed paralysed with one hand he held me with the thumb and the finger of the other he pressed my temples so tightly that i became dazed for a moment i was conscious of a sinister face peering into mine and of a peal of harsh demonical laughter that rang through the room then i knew no more when i recovered consciousness 
i found myself lying in the bed in a long hospital ward with the kind face of my friend dr Ferguson, a specialist in mental diseases looking down upon me i had he told me been found by the police early one morning lying in the back street in kensington in a state of collapse owing to injuries i had received on the head for a week i had been delirious and no hope had been entertained for my recovery but at last i had rallied and was now gaining strength he questioned me apparently in order to ascertain if my brain had been affected but it was remarkable that my mind was such clearer than hitherto it was many days before i was able to rise but at last when i was allowed to go out i related to him all the circumstances surrounding the mysterious princess being much interested he consented to accompany me to the house and late that evening i placed my revolver in my pocket and together we took a cab to the corner of the queen's gate dismissing the man we walked together to the house only to find the shutters up and the place deserted our knocks and rings having been unanswered we descended to the area and after considerable difficulty entered by the kitchen window by the aid of a candle we had brought with us we searched the house which we found still furnished although unoccupied and on the carpet of the room in which i had seen agafia was a great dark stain the stain of blood was it mine or that of the unknown victim ascending to the floor above we opened the door of the drawing-room and on glancing round the great handsome apartment our eyes fell upon an object that caused us both to stare back in amazement attired in a long loose gown and chained by her wrists to one of the polished granite columns was agafia with her hair unbound she had sunk at the base of the pillar and was apparently dead evidently she was a prisoner for the empty jug and plate standing near told their own tale as in a moment of passion i bent to kiss her frugerson who had placed his hand upon her breast took out a lancet and made a slight incision in her arm there is yet life he said thank heaven i cried we must save her opening her eyes he took the candle and looked intently into them they still had fixed stony stare and there seemed a film upon them then the doctor with his forefinger and thumb stroked her forehead in a downward direction pressing her temples saying you shall now awake and feel exactly as you were before that villain placed you under his influence come rouse yourself rouse yourself several times he repeated this until at length her eyes twitched her face flushed and she gradually became perfectly conscious answering the doctor's questions quite rationally but at me she glanced shyly and blushed she remembers nothing distinctly since she was hypnotized Ferguson said therefore you are a stranger i endeavoured to explain that i had delivered the letter she entrusted to me but she shook her head saying i only saw you once in the dominic restaurant in st petersburg when you drank the wine over which petrovich delinov 
had made passes during the few moments you were absent frugerson who was one of the greatest english authorities on hypnotism and a student of occult eagerly asked what the man had done he touched my forehead quickly in a curious way she answered and he afterwards dipped his fingers in the wine saying your sensibility and soul will now leave you and be transferred to this glass of wine in future you will feel nothing since that time i i seem to have been in a long dream i can remember nothing distinctly ha i now understand exclaimed my friend raising the candle and looking into my eyes the man has experimented successfully upon you with a novel method of producing hypnosis recently discovered by charcot at la salpetriere remarkable as it may seem it is nevertheless possible to transfer by suggestion the sensibility of hysteroepileptic subjects to any liquid on drinking the wine you absorbed her sensibility and her very soul thus transferred to you produced the mysterious affinity of thought and deed the very singular coincidence of the marks upon your wrists and the curious magnetic force that impelled you towards her are nothing more than the demonstrations of the powerful psychical influence of the mind on the body what can have been the motive for all this i exclaimed when after considerable difficulty we had broken the chains and led her to a chair the motive was gold she answered in a weak voice i i am a victim of the mandelianoff mine has been a tragic career three years ago i loved nikanor branovich but although only eighteen my mother compelled me to marry the prince who was nearly forty years older than myself it is true he idolized me but i cannot say that i experienced the least regret when five months later he died leaving me all his wealth then alas my unhappiness commenced the management of the estate was left to delianoff and there was a clause in the will which provided that if i died or married nikonor the property should go to vladimir lemenzev a nephew of princess who was an attache at the embassy in london almost as soon as the prince was buried delianoff proceeded to place me under his influence for my mother and most of my near relations were dead i was utterly alone the scoundrel was an accomplished hypnotist and in order to further his villainous scheme he put cruel rumours in circulation which caused petersburg society to shun me his irresistible power of fascination i was unable to withstand and by hypnotic suggestion he has caused me to hand over to him the greater part of my fortune he kept me constantly in his thrall by threatening to give information to the police that i had committed murder this crime he had suggested to me causing me to believe that i had actually stained my hands with blood just at that period i saw you in the dominic and as i have already explained he practised on you one of his devilish experiments he was a nihilist and on that night he used his influence to induce me to attend a meeting alone and swear to kill whoever the executive decided should be removed soon afterwards i heard of nikonor's illness in pavlova and you were good enough to convey to him a letter in which i told him how delianoff had attempted to cut my throat 
and how utterly helpless i was in his hands nikonor died and could not save you i observed sorrowfully yes she sighed delianoff's motive for getting me to take the oath was as ingenious as his other villainies for when his plan were complete he brought me to london invited vladimir here and then by the exercise of his occult power he made me believe that the prince's nephew was the man the executive had ordered me to kill but you saved me for just as i was about to strike the fatal blow you entered delianoff at that moment came behind you and with his curious touch insinuated in your brain the image of sleep of what afterwards occurred i know nothing for i fainted the scoundrel who had planned that i should kill vladimir and afterwards commit suicide in order that his villainy should not be exposed was mad with rage at the failure of his plot when i regained consciousness he dragged me about the room brandishing a knife and threatening to murder me but at last his anger cooled and his demonical ingenuity devised a terrible torture my passive will was still under his influence and i could not escape or utter cry when he locked the fetters upon my wrists and chained me to yonder column for several days he came regularly with food and water but four days ago after telling me how he had obtained possession of all that belonged to me he laughed derisively and said he should leave me to die of starvation yes we were only just in time the doctor remarked feeling her pulse with his eyes upon his watch you should have been dead tomorrow the princess had no friends in london therefore i gave up my chambers to her taking up quarters at a neighbourhood hotel while the hospital nurse i engaged attended her until she fully recovered she can never recover the bulk of her fortune nevertheless she has the satisfaction of knowing that delhi now speedily met with his deserts although ostensibly a nihilist it was ascertained that he acted as a spy in the pay of the secret police his end was befitting a coward and a traitor for while assisting in an attempt to wreck the winter palace he handled a bomb carelessly with the result that it exploded and killed him some are of opinion that being an informer the vengeance of naradanya volya fell upon him and i incline to that belief end of chapter 1 part 2 read by lambda